0: Politics without the soap opera, with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, yearning to fight for our life, our liberty, and our property. Here at CR Podcast this is your host Daniel Horowitz back in the house today. Blaze Media. It's Tuesday, March fifteenth. We're almost done the first quarter of this year. And have we even gotten a dent into this tyranny? Worse than tyranny, this democide. We're going to be using that term a lot. Death by government. Our government hates us. Our government is the enemy. And what are we going to do about it? We can't vote ourselves out of this problem. You can't vote your way out of this tyranny. I don't know what the answer is. But I'll tell you what it's not. It's not focusing on other people's Liberty, life, and property. In fact, maybe we should self-identify as Ukrainians, and they'll care about us. So we, we spent a lot of time yesterday on the democide taking place with the injection injuries. And we're still g- going to get back to that. And we're going to switch off between that, the insanity of what's going on in Ukraine with our government funding genocide, frankly, they're just putting the Ukrainians into a meat grinder. They're never going to win. Involving our money and our talent and treasure there. In my mind, with those biolabs, I have no doubt we have special operators there, but that's just my opinion. And then the border. So today I want to get to the ladder, you know, kind of jumping back and forth. Our own border. Maybe if we rename Mexico Ukraine, we'd be better off. So we're going to hear later today special guest, a Texas rancher, to paint a vivid picture of what it's like to live on American soil if you happen to be unlucky enough to live within, you know, 50 miles of the border or so, maybe even more, 100 miles. How unsafe it is. And how, unfortunately, what starts there doesn't end there, and it goes into all of our cities. So we'll talk about that, but to set the table today... I want to share a story with you that I think is emblematic of why we can't vote our way out of this. Imagine being the West Virginia governor. Okay, You have a state that was always kind of impoverished, but now you have two years of this democide, the physical health, the mental health, the educational attainment destroyed, because they created a virus, they blocked the treatment for it, and they imposed lockdowns, masks, and injections, injured so many people. So many people need help in so many ways. It's, it's not even. You can't even quantify the disorders with children now. You literally cannot quantify it. It is so bad. And what do you think the governor would focus on? Okay, we have all this excess death. We're seeing, by the way, Ethical Skeptic, he's a guy online. You could find his work, his website. He called through all the CDC um, excess death and all cause mortality for 25 to 54 year olds. Non COVID natural deaths, non COVID natural deaths were up 68% this year over last year. Unspecified cause of deaths, those are the mystery ones, are up 63%. Okay? So, any governor is going to have to deal with that. This is a 50-state problem. Some states are a little bit worse than others, but it's a 50-state problem. We know that, according to CDC, social isolation is associated with about a 50% increase in risk of dementia, 29% increase in risk of heart disease, and 32% increase in and the risk of stroke. So again, it, it, it's, this is going to be a tough thing to sort out how much of it is the shot, how much of it is, especially with elderly people, I would say is going to be more weighted towards the dementia and things like that. But the point is, we got a lot of issues here, right? Then we have, you know, like the inflation, the producer price index up 10% today, the, I mean, not today, but the latest report from the Commerce Department. Got a lot of problems here. And again, that was caused by the very same Republicans devaluing our dollar, spending money on COVID fascism, and implementing COVID fascism, which created a supply shortage, along with making our money worth nothing, our dollar worth worth nothing. But what is Jim Justice, the allegedly Republican governor of West Virginia, concern with this is from localdvm.com. Wdvm. During Monday's coronavirus press conference, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice called the attacks in Ukraine, especially the bombing on the maternity hospital, pure evil, and he highlighted that he wants to send five million dollars from the state's revenue surplus to aid Ukrainian hospitals. And again, that sounds really amazing, really great. And I'm sure you're going to be able to account for that money going to the right places there when you have a government that is so corrupt. By the way, it's there are so many stories on the lies there. It turns out that former New York Times journalist who was killed was likely killed by Ukrainian soldiers at a checkpoint, not Russians. Um There's a lot of accounts now of uh, former American soldiers who went there to fight because they they felt it was the calling. They were told this is the greatest thing. You know, I have a patriotic guy down my um, block that always flies, you know, Blue Lives Matter type of flags, you know, patriotic type of stuff. He has a Ukraine flag now. This is what we're told is the new patriotism. And they went and fought there, and guess what? It's corrupt as anything. They send them to the front lines. They get them killed. They have... AKs that don't even work. They make them sign contracts, basically signing their life away. But they want to send, in West Virginia, a state with very little money, $5 million to Ukraine. So this man could make himself feel good. Well, Daniel, $5 million is not a lot of money. Well, if it's not a lot of money, let me tell you something. Jim Justice is extremely wealthy, independently, personally. Jim Justice is more than welcome to write a $5 million check to Ukrainian hospital. Let him go do that. Why do the American citizens have to pl- pay with their money their blood so our political elite could feel good about themselves? That pretty much summarizes every single policy decision they've made over the past few years. What they care about and what they don't. They care about other people's citizens but not our own country. They care about other people's borders, but not our own border. In the omnibus bill, you have border security funded for eight different nations. And obviously the 14 billion sent to Ukraine. What about our own people? Nothing. These people are truly, truly despicable. So all he cares about is Ukraine. What about sending money to our border ranchers? for all the damage to their properties and for security. I mean, we're going to talk coming up, Um, you know, with a Kinney County rancher, Kinney County, Texas. Do you know in some of these massive counties, so they don't have a lot of people in them, but it's a huge landmass to, to patrol when you have international cartels rolling in, and, you know, people the size of a major city every, every, uh, Every month, you have just six sheriff's deputies, full-time deputies there. What about all these states that have so much money to give away to Ukraine? Maybe we help fund deputies. You know, I don't like feds getting involved in local law enforcement, but I mean, this is not their fault. These are rural areas that naturally, if they would be located in a different part of the country, they wouldn't have much crime. But here they have to deal with an invasion. Where's that funding? Why can't we spend that $14 billion here? We have our own invasion! Two million people a year! And those are the ones caught. Another million not caught. It's probably three million. Then we brought in the Afghanis. As a whole, there's a lot of news on that. So we have to be concerned with Europe's issue now? Again... If you want to be charitable to everyone but your own people, you're welcome to do that. Not as an elected representative. But these people hate us. They hate us. So I want to talk about a little bit of the border news and then uh, and then go on to our guest, our sponsor today, Patriot Academy. Sign up today at patriotacademy.com. To be a Constitution coach, you could download the materials from Rick Green, historian David Barton, and host a Constitution class in your home. This is a great way to grow our local Patriot sales throughout the country. 100,000 signed up in 2021 alone. Let's make 2022 a greater year at, at uh, patriotacademy.com. By the way, I do want to mention um, one of the things I am very excited about. And honestly, I don't know if it's up on the website again, but Patriot Academy also has constitutioncoach.com. We had a great time together. We would take out a bunch of people from this audience on a vacation slash constitution training slash defensive handgun um, training. And, you know, they had to end their courses out in Nevada, but now Rick and the boys found... A really good place, in many ways even better, in Raton, New Mexico. Okay? So this is out at... Uh, there's an NRA facility there. And I don't know if the details are up yet, but ConstitutionCoach.com, we're going to have their May 22nd, is a new five-day course, um, defensive handgun training. We study the Constitution at night. We uh, do handgun training during the day. I know we got a lot of folks in this audience out in Texas, other places in the West, so you could even drive there. Um, for me, it's hard to fly in there because it's out in nowhere, but I will, God willing, be there for the May 22nd defensive handgun course if you want to meet me and have a great time, great vacation out in the Northeast, uh, New Mexican desert. Go to constitutioncoach.com. If it's not up today, it should be up tomorrow. So keep an eye on that. We'll keep you updated as that, you know, comes, as more information comes out. But really looking forward to seeing you guys May 22nd. Um, Okay. So the latest border numbers came out. And once again, there were something like 165,000 illegals caught at the border in the month of February. And then we finally had the ICE report come out. So typically, the FY fiscal year 2021 report would come out sometime in October, November, right? Because October 1st is the new fiscal year. And yet they waited four months. They didn't publish it because there is no ICE enforcement. And finally, now they published it. Okay? They finally published it. But even then, they left out the key details. But here are the top lines. During the entire fiscal year 2021, ICE's Enforcement Removal Operations, ERO, they arrested just 74,000 non-citizens and deported just 59,000. 59,000. Okay? For comparison, two years ago in FY 2019, pre-pandemic Trump administration, it was 267,000 removals. So, in other words, removals are down by two-thirds, but it's worse than that even – than the top line suggests because more than half of those numbers were before Biden changed the policy in, on, on February 18th, 2021. Remember, Trump was still president for the first few months of – almost four months – of fiscal year 2021, So if you actually look at the numbers, they were averaging as little as, after that fact, if you break it down monthly, 4,000 removals. I mean, again, we probably have 20 million illegals in this country. 4,000 removals down to pre-pandemic levels, down from the pre-pandemic levels of over 22,000 a month. So really, if you break it down that way, it's less than a fifth of the previous levels. And again, that's likely going to be shut off to almost nothing. And even then, there's reason to believe that a good number of even those numbers are not interior removals because typically ICE breaks down interior versus border. Some of them, they're just turnbacks at the border. Okay, so they're not deportations. They're not removals from the interior. Those numbers have not been posted. So there's a good reason to believe they're counting a lot of the border ones. So again, essentially... Interior enforcement has been ground to a halt in this country. Now, you would think maybe there's few fish in the pond. Well, no, just the opposite. We have a record number of new intake into this country. Do you know that so far in the first five months of the fiscal year, so going through February, or in the middle of March now, but we have the data today published for February, there were 800. 800- 38,685 encounters. That's so far an 111% increase from last year's record-setting year. If you would annualize that, that's an annualized pace of over 2 million, between 2, 2, 2.1 million illegals. So in other words, almost the entire size of the city of Houston, of the most impoverished aliens, full of sex offenders, every day they arrest them at the border. So you, you could tell that there's tons of them. Obviously, they spend often twenty to $40,000, the ones with criminal records, to be crossed surreptitiously, which is why they throw all the family units at them. So most of them we do not catch. And, you know, this was as of ooh, I want to say... I think it's the first four mo- months of the fiscal year, there were about 230,000 or so gotaways. And again, the gotaways are just estimates. A lot of uh, Border station, border Patrol stations, I could tell you, they're not even counting all of them. So easily, easily, we'd have a million gotaways in a year and over two million apprehensions. Um, some of them are sent back. Some of them are duplicates. But the point is, you cannot possibly measure that sort of civilization destruction, what is coming to our communities, the degree of criminality. I want you to understand, when ICE suspends its operations in a given year, what that means. In a typical year, and even then, even we never have had full enforcement because we only have 6,000 ERO agents, um, which is like a third of the size of the NYPD for the entire nation, of all the criminal aliens there are at least three and a half million known criminal aliens in this country, meaning that they have known criminal records aside from being here illegally. And 70, 80% of illegals live in Sanctuary City, so the, the operation of ICE is very limited. But even then, if you look at FY 2019, okay, there were a total of 74,000 DUIs among them. 67,000 drug charges, 58,000 immigration violations, 46,000 um, assaults. These are both, again, convictions and charges. Um, 6,700 sex offenses, 10,000 burglaries, 5,000 sexual assaults. Okay, so that's separate from the other charge. 4,700 robberies. And where is this? Roughly 2,000 homicides among them. That's a typical tally. And every year, that would be the tally. Meaning so if you would add up all of the illegals that they apprehended and removed, you know, let's say again, 250,000 or so. In a given year, that was. I'm just reading you, you know, a couple of the worst offenses. There's a lot of other ones. Okay, tons of, of criminal offenses racked up among them. Okay. Now consider the fact that those numbers were likely down this year, at least in the interior, probably by 80%. That means that that degree of criminality take 80% off those numbers in a given year and all that amount of criminality is remaining here in this country. And I'm supposed to worry about freaking Ukraine. I'm supposed to worry about Ukraine. When there's nothing we can do and to the extent we virtue signal and worry, you're just going to elongate the war and get more people killed. This notion that they're beating up the Russians is a lie. Not a single European country is donating troops, is is going there. But we have to barrel headfirst into that, like we do Afghanistan, and then bring, and and then we're going to bring them here too. We own every other country. Our government is of, by, and for every other nation but our own. And who could be? more of our own than our own ranchers at the border. Folks, I want you guys, especially those of you who, like me, live on an East Coast city, don't live in a rural area, to picture being out in an area where you can look on a satellite map and you don't see any other home or even structure uh, for, for often miles on end. You're isolated from... The police, hospitals, civilization, everywhere, you're out there alone. Anything goes, goes wrong, uh, you're on your own. Well, you might say, well, that's a beautiful life, and it's worth living that way to escape the growing crime, certainly where I live, in major American cities. But what if you live in a rural area at our international border where our government has violated the social compact? and doesn't believe we matter, our border matters, our sovereignty matters. Well, then you get the worst of both worlds because now you have the most desperate international criminals of all sorts, all kinds of people running across your property, your ranch at any any given time, and now you're isolated. So now that isolation that's often... Uh, you know, viewed as an advantage for people who want a quiet, peaceful rural life. Well, now that's that's a problem. Imagine living that way. Why are these stories never told? The story of the American rancher: No inch of American property, of American soil, should be unsecured before we go off and uh, fund all of our ventures overseas. And yet you know as we started the show you have a west virginia governor and you f- find this all over the country these mayors governors virtue signaling what could we do as a city as a as a state much less the feds for ukraine for afghanistan for refugees this and that but what about our own people isn't this why we created our government these are the stories that don't get out but we want to tell them here Um, With us today is John Paul Stevens. He's a rancher in Kinney County, Texas. Uh, This is between Del Rio and Eagle Pass. If you want to look on a map, if you're not from that part of Texas, he's about 25 miles from the border. He's owned a ranch since 2003. He's also running for county judge in Kinney County um, to get his story out and to try to rectify this, at least at a county level. Uh, John, Paul, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Um, Steve, it's not, my last name is actually Schuster, so we missed that part a little bit. But thanks for having us, and thanks for uh, letting me visit with your audience and your folks on the issues that we have here on the southern border next to Mexico. Um,
0: yep, Mexico, I, not Ukraine. So <laughs> can you kind of give us a little bit of a synopsis, Mr. Schuster, here about— what is it like after sunset? It's very quiet. You're living there, you know, right near Bracketville, Kinney County. There's very few towns in the entire county. What's it like knowing that at any point a bunch of groups in camo backpacks could start walking on your property?
1: Oh, it's 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 very unnerving. It's very disturbing. We don't do anything before daylight and we try to be back at home after before dark. Um, we keep our window, our blinds closed at all times. We basically sit in the dark at night just so that they can't see our house very well and they won't show up during the night. They do. They do show up occasionally, um, night and day doesn't matter. But, um, my house is 25 miles straight in from the Rio Grande. So, um, you gotta figure, I'd come if you could have just walked across, threw your hands up, claimed asylum or whatever been picked up by the border patrol they drop you off take you processes and send you anywhere in the United States and you can go pretty much why are you walking and why are you showing up here there has to be some reason that you're avoiding all the the proper way to get into the United States so we uh we've we're armed we're uh, I'm sitting here today at my dining room table with the back door chalk Um, like I say the blinds are closed um Pistol here on the table. My wife left while I go to go and take care of some chores. She's she's armed. She has a dog. So our comfort level uh, has been just overturned, and our safety has been frazzled to the to the wit's end. You just can't imagine. Never knowing this, just they're so much more aggressive and um, towards you now than they ever been. I mean, you, we we have. You see groups of three or four here and there, food and water, and they keep moving on or whatnot. Now you're seeing groups of, you know, ten to thirty, and they are they are moving on. We don't we we, we just turn around and avoid them at all costs. If we run into them, it's it's just by freak accident. Um, the trash, the destruction they're doing. There's no way they would tolerate an American going to their country and doing things to their property there. It's just like if I showed up at your home there on the East Coast with you know, myself and four or five other men and you didn't know us at all, but we just knocked on your door and you didn't open the door. Well, we just kicked the door in or oh, we broke the broke into your car and stole your car. You know, you would feel violated. And then that's what the government has done to us here on the border is violated our, our protection and our freedoms here of living somewhat in the country and, and feeling comfortable, uh, by not protecting and keeping the secured border. But the greater issue is the amount of immigrants, illegal immigrants, not proper immigrants, illegals that have influenced into the United States in the last 14 months. And they're not seen here. There's nothing to hold them here on the border. They're all coming into the interior of the United States. And the ones we see on the ranch are from 15 to 35 years old, all males. There's, there's no women or children crossing us. And like I say, our ranch starts twenty five miles from the border and goes further inland to the east towards you know Uvalde and stuff. So they're they're headed your direction. They're going they're 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 headed to an area near you, a metropolitan area near you.
0: Exactly. So they don't stay there Um, so the effects are a little bit more subtle as you go into America's major cities, but they do add up over time. But you guys get, get the bulk of it at the front end when they're the most desperate. What I find very unnerving is that it's not like you're right at the border that your property abuts the border. So you say, okay, it's kind of the frontier there and you have dangerous cartel smuggling activity. You're 25 miles in and still you're sitting there after sunset with the lights off in your home?
1: <clears throat> yes, sir. We're, yes, the, the southwest border of Kinney County has 16 miles of the Rio Grande, and then we're 25 miles from the border. So my stories are, are disheartening and uncomfortable and, and somewhat frustrating. But think about those folks that live just within three, four, five, ten 10 miles of the border. And, and folks, we're not talking about just pick up and move. We're generations. My wife is a third-generation rancher here on this ranch, and um, this is her livelihood and her passion and stuff, and we want our kids to be able to have the ranch and say this is home for them. We don't want to have to pick up and move just simply because we got run out of here because of our own government wouldn't take the responsibility and and propose sanctions towards Mexico to help relief some of the pressures that we're having and issues we're having from the illegal immigrants, the same thing, the sanctions that we're talking about in Ukraine to help them by putting things on Russia, we need to do the same thing here, back at home, come back to home and let's take care of home right here. And, um, because there's no telling what this is going to create for us. And it's not going to be immediate. I'm talking about the impact probably three to five years from now. So many of these folks that are getting, that don't get deported, they're getting their OTRs or orders to to um, report, and they're having dates on them that's to be determined, so some of these court dates for these people to have citizenship hearings are going to be, you know, they're they're talking about two to five years from now, so those folks wow. aren't coming back down here. To, they're not going to reappear in court for, you know, if 10% of them do, I'd be surprised, but <clears throat> they're going to go and they're going to um, commingle and and segregate back into those communities those 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 nationalities of those communities that they are, and will never'll we'll never see them and the big heartburn and the trouble is is they're not really going to contribute to society they're not going to pay taxes and things like that, so they're going to be a burden to us forever, and they're going to raise children that don't have a work ethic or or don't know you know the work and whatnot don't want to don't have to because the government's taking care of them. So the extension of this process and the uh, overall effect of what's happening is still the price tag of what it's going to actually cost us as Americans is unknown. And I worry too about, think about the, all the fresh vegetables that are grown in the valley in southern Arizona and stuff and all these illegal immigrants. We, we have pretty much have an immunity bubble here in the United States. And through our vaccination programs over the course of, of decades, we, we don't have some of these diseases and things that these other countries have or deal with. Think about those folks coming in by the masses now like they are. There's, there's no process to, to make sure that they are somewhat healthy or they have a shot program regime to help cure them or, or rid them of something that they may be bringing into the United States. And across all these farm fields and vegetables and crops and stuff. <clears throat> and, folks, we have the, the safest food source in the country right here in the United States. And it could be jeopardized because of what's going on right now. Yeah, I want to talk
0: about the damage to the um, ranches, the farms or ranches. You know, again, to the average city person on the East Coast, the media reporting, it doesn't sound like a big deal. Okay, so what? you You cut some fences... You have some damage to the infrastructure. What's the big deal? It doesn't sound like a big deal in the scheme of things. Then, and you know, we're sitting and funding Ukraine, we're funding everything under the sun. But in fact, a lot of your neighbors and you guys are, you know, let's say you grow cattle and fences are cut. Could you talk about some of the damage you're seeing and the repercussions of it?
1: Uh, our big damage is we're low fence, we're not high fence, like a game proof fence. Like those guys are getting cut. Their fences get cut every day all the time, and they're constantly patching. We're constantly checking. Um, the, uh, we do have a major highway on the southern end of our ranch. But like I said, I'm east of Bracket. So most of our bailout and our our, our high-speed chases go north through town, back up um, into the, the rougher part of the county and everything, the, a more rural part when there's no checkpoints and stuff. So um, the bailouts for us uh, out this way are minimum, but we have had them. Um, The fences get damaged. We're very fortunate that we're such a small, close-knit. Our county sheriff's office only has six employees, and they all know us and know where we live or know where our places are. So if it happens day or night, they're usually calling us and letting us know, um, hey, we patched it back good enough. No cattle are going to get out, but you better come work on it in the morning and get it back right, or you better come on out here. So we get up. We have panels already pre-cut, different sizes, so we can just load them on the truck, run out, and tie them back, make kind of a hot patch band-aid fix and then we go back and cut out the hole and cut out the net and restretch it and put in new T posts and new braces and things like that. Water well wise, all our water here, like you just turn on your water at your home, you expect there to be water. All my water here at the ranch is well water. Um either pump pulled up by electricity, by um submergible pumps or solar pumps or actually wind windmills. Um Right now, they're they're pulling the wiring out of our solar pump panels and trying to charge their phones. They're pulling wires out of our corn feeders and stuff for our hunters. Our hunters, our, our lease hunters, are subsidize our income here at the ranch. Where they're tearing up their corn feeders, trying to charge their their phones and stuff. They're very high tech. Um, they they break our water lines and our water troughs and stuff. And the one gentleman, the older gentleman here in the community, you know, it's pretty frustrating because. We lost about ten thousand gallons of water. My wife will tell you that would take her. I could take her close to six months to regain that. We lost that much water out of a big pila, big storage tank, because they broke the broke the elbow going out of the bottom of the pila. When they could have just climbed up the ladder and reached over and got them some fresh water, but they didn't. So um, to lose all that and then the, pulling those wires out of those solar panels like that, they're burning up. We we lose half our charge off our solar because they don't pull both sets of wires, so then we don't realize it, and it burns up our solar pumps in the bottom of our wells that are pumping the water out for our livestock and stuff. So the water issue out here is as dry as we are right now. We're checking waters every day. The trash that they leave also is an issue for us. That um, The cattle like to pick up, and they see a nice red bag of Doritos over there, and mm. everything's so brown and so bad right <laughs> now, and it's just an empty trash bag. Well, they go and eat it. They think it's all, look at here, something, you know, something they say, water bottles, they eat them. Well, a cattle, livestock, cattle, especially are ruminants, they got four stomachs, so they can pretty much eat anything and get some good out of it, but that hard plastic like that, then it clogs them up, and they they can't, their system can't function, and they'll eventually just basically starve to death, and, you know, you don't catch it, or you catch it in time, well, it's a, it's a very costly procedure to cut them open and remove that and sew, sew them back up, and... For them to recover is most, is, is you know, 50 50 most of the time.
0: Again, so it's just, it's just funny listening to you because all of this is going to be totally lost on the elite media, the elite politicians. <laughs> they could not conceptualize what it's like to uh, live in this environment, um, to earn a living this way, to support a ranch this way, and why this is all important. So they just don't care. It doesn't affect them. Although uh, with the supply chains and the pricing of things, we're going to see the scarcity eventually affect them as well. Um, what about physically, physical altercations? I mean, I'm picturing a lot of people very desperate. I'm picturing, you know, like you said, why didn't they just surrender when they know, you know, we let them in anyway? So clearly, you know, a lot of these people do have known criminal records. They're bad dudes. That's why they're crossed by the cartels. You know, at higher value, uh, uh, surreptitiously. Ah, uh, while they shove the family units over, you're seeing a lot of young males. Um, so, what happens when ranchers are, you know, working on the on the ranch, and suddenly you have 10, 15 backpackers come in at them?
1: Ah, uh, for the most part, uh, we've had had a couple of H two workers that work on some big ranches here in the county. We've had some incidents with them, and they get, you know, they've gotten beaten up and stuff, and their pickups stolen, their work, their ranch trucks stolen. And stuff, and those H2 workers are. I know of two of them that have quit. <clears throat> I know of a, a ranch foreman that quit, that resigned, quit his job this week. Um, was ranching on a managing a ranch south of a town down here. And he said it was just it was just too, none, 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 too hard on him physically. The physical part of it wasn't as hard as the mental stress and the worrying about always watching over your back. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen and just a constantly patching the fences. He, he's in a pretty high traffic area down here on the south end of the county and stuff, and he was he was quitting. He was going to go back. He, he had not had any altercations. He hadn't had any, you know, he'd had them come to the house and holler, you know, knock on the door and ask for food and water. Um, God bless our sheriff's office and our, and our highway patrolmen that are here and the board patrolmen that are here. Um, folks for... 14 months, it's been a 50-50 call if you call the board Patrol to show up because they've been so busy and so overrun that the men working the field don't work the field. They actually sit in the office and do the paperwork or babysit the illegal immigrants as they're waiting on to get processed. But our, our sheriff and his group have been awesome. Yesterday, my neighbor across the highway called. His alarm went off. Uh, man, I hustle over there three highway patrolmen that are assigned down here now through Operation Lifesaver, you know, four sheriff deputies, two of our locals, and then two from Galveston County, the constables that are sent up here in Galveston County, sent um, folks here to help our sheriff's patrol out just to try to help give them a little relief and stuff. But it's um, the impact is tremendous as far as just your, your mental, just constantly worrying about it and, and being concerned about it um we're very fortunate my wife and i that our kids are grown and gone because used to we'd come home from school or basketball games or whatever and they had chores to do at the barn their show animals or 4-h projects and stuff they go to the barn eight nine ten o'clock at night take care of their stuff come home eat supper do their homework you know and stuff but right now we're very fortunate that our kids are grown and gone and there's a lot of families that um don't have that option it's it's you know the kids can't go outside and play or whatever without somebody being out there with them an adult and, and generally it's going to be an armed adult um our little community is getting frazzled by the high-speed chases and the bailouts like i say our comfort level will never get it back to where it was just from three or four years ago
0: can you, can you ago. describe the bailouts a little bit what takes place
1: um, what they're doing is they're they're loading them up. They'll steal a vehicle, typically out of San Antonio, Houston, somewhere. It can be from and they'll take. Most generally, is a lot of it um, <clears throat> are folks that are recruited, uh, younger younger folks, younger males, um, females and stuff included. And they'll um, they'll go down in the Eagle Pass or Del Rio or Laredo, or any border town along here, and they'll have a pin drop and they'll stop where this pin drop is. This is how high tech they are and they'll pick these folks up at a pin drop, maybe three or four in a little a little car, maybe as many as 10 or 12 in a pickup. And then they'll drive them. And when they leave Eagle Pass and Del Rio and they come through Bracketville, there's no checkpoint. So they've made it about, oh, on average, say, 50 miles from Eagle Pass and 40, 35, 40 miles from Del Rio. They've made it that far inland with no checkpoint. Well, then they can go right through our town and go straight up through The main part of Brackettville, up the main highway there, and go out the north end of town and make it all the way, then to Rock Springs or Campwood, the next two little communities north of town, and they make it there. There's no checkpoints, and then it's pretty pretty easily accessible to get the I-10 and stuff, and move them wherever they need. If they get caught, that's what the troopers are down here working. We also um, have have a brush uh, brush cutter group of um, highway patrolman here, but the smugglers, they start chasing them. They throw out the spikes or whatever, and this and that. And it can be, like I say, it can be anywhere from a little car all the way up to 18 or just the other day out of Demick County, they had a tanker truck. I believe it had 40 or 45 immigrants inside this tanker. And the guy hit a couple of police cars. They ended up having a little shootout with the, the, um, shooting the driver and wounding him and stuff. But. um, gravel trucks, whatever they can get them in. But typically, it's a pickup. They rip the back seat out, and they put them in there. And they, if they bail out, they're going to run through the fence and go out in the brush a little bit, and then they jump out, and they take off running. And uh, Most of the time, the, the uh, driver's not apprehended, but a lot of times we do catch the driver. And most of the bailouts, because of the technology that they have and the helicopters and stuff they bring in to help chase them down. But they'll just pull over and bail out or, you know, there's. let's say there's nine people in the four-door pickup and that driver's getting paid, you know, $500 a person to get those people to San Antonio. He's going to make $4,500 if he can just make it, you know, 180, 190 miles to San Antonio. And And then that all happens,
0: you know, in in a small town. You could just have them crash and... You never know oh, where people are, so they, they crash in the town.
1: Yes, we had a we had a wreck the other day. They ended up rolling a suburban up close to a, um, some a project, uh, some home a home project there in town, and it, it short stopped short of crashing into that uh, building and everything. We ended up life-flighting two people out of that crash, illegal aliens, and that cost the county about forty two thousand dollars a piece. So you, the the price. Our little community, our town, our county, we have like three EMTs that are full-time paid, and the rest of our ambulance drivers and our firefighters and stuff, they're all volunteers. So they're trying to not only have, you know, family life, but a, a career or a working job as well. They're also jumping out and taking time and volunteering to help, you know, fight this issue as well, to help yep. transport these folks. To, um, so then they have life, to go to the, the hospital. West.
0: These guys, you know, yep. the the smugglers and everything, and, yes. and you guys with a very small budget, very small manpower, you know, they have to be diverted yeah. for other people's issues uh, while they're invading us. It's truly unbelievable. Um, in terms of solutions, I want, I want to kind of go through what you see is working, is not working. Um, most people know about the issue of the border fence, the border wall, And I want to see if you agree or disagree with me. From my end, what I'm seeing is that the border wall certainly has its function as a force multiplier as one tool. But this seems to be more of a policy problem than an infrastructure or funding problem in the sense that it's our policies encouraging them to come more than the border wall is much of a deterrent. But do you see the border wall as a big issue in Kennedy County? I mean, how much wall do you have there?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I don't think we have much wall at all because pretty much one family unit owns our whole entire portion of our river. Um, the 16 miles that we have on our wow. county line, I, I believe, is owned in one by one family unit. One family, you know, several family members, but one basically one ownership there along that line. And I don't know if they're they're user friendly with the wall or not. I don't know. So but I, do you think that would be just, helpful? I think the law is going to, is plenty useful and helpful in certain places. Yes. I think the bigger um, issue is the interpretation of the of the current law. Yep. Of how we're applying the law and, and and stuff. The law's been on the books ninety seven years. If it needs to be tweaked a little bit or work, we need to address that. But um the application of it right now and the way it's being told to be enforced is not beneficial to the American
0: people. Yep. It's beneficial to, to the invaders.
1: <laughs> yes. The invaders and, and those folks that are seeking the benefits of these folks being here. this current administration has, <clears throat> has, um, put us in a situation that yes, can it be fixed? It can be fixed over time. Can it be slowed down rather quickly? Yes, I think so. The sanctions back into Mexico, like like we talked about earlier, We may also have to send our military into Mexico to help them control the situation and allow people to come as the policy is written, as we can take them and process them and allow them to come across. If you're, if you're an honest, legit immigrant looking for seeking asylum, I have no problem with you whatsoever. But when you come over here and you're destroying our stuff, you're stealing our vehicles, you're breaking into our homes, you're destroying our infrastructure, just to try to get further inland, you know, you're not going to stay here. I have an issue with that, and all Americans should. Just like I, you wouldn't want me to show up at your house and start walking around the front of your house, and then go to the back and go walking around the backyard of your house and looking at windows, even though I'm a good guy, it still bothers you because you don't know me.
0: Do you guys ever get reimbursed for this?
1: There's there's a program that the government's just recently come out with. Um, that's going to, uh, help us somewhat in reimbursement, but as a, as, as it is, as a government program, as my mom would say, it's bass backwards. They're not going backwards. They're not allowing us to go back to 11, 12 months ago when some damages occurred or started occurring. It's only from this day forward, we have to put a band-aid on it and then we have to turn in the information to our NRCS guy and stuff, and we have to be approved to get the job done. And right now, low fence in our part of the world's costing about $8 to $10 a foot, depending on where you're at and how rough it is. And the government program saying that they're gonna give us a dollar a foot. So if we go patch a six foot piece of fence out on the highway and do it right and re- and tie it back and put a good piece of net back in there and, and restretch it best we can, you're talking about getting six bucks.
0: Wow, and that's to make sure the animals don't go out after they, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: after so, they cut it. Yeah, they, yeah, they they've come out and they've come out with a program that, in the in the media world of things and stuff, it sounds good. It sounds like they're trying to help us. I guess you could say they are helping us. I'm not saying that, you know, but guys, we got some guys that have thirty or forty bailouts through their through their property over the last year. That fence is pretty much destroyed. It'll never be back like it was when it was brand new, or, or say it's just four or five years old. You know, it'll never they'll never get it stretched back to to, to the quality that it was by that by the time they do that many patches in it and stuff. And if you're only gonna give me a you know me to go patch that job, if my time's worth nothing and and all I, all you do is reimburse me for materials used, you know. I could spend anywhere from fifty dollars to fifteen hundred dollars to patch a job. It just depends on how long they drove down the fence before they drove through the fence. Sometimes they make a pretty quick exit and go through it and go. Sometimes they run into it and then they start flipping or rolling or something, and they just you know take out several hundred feet of fence.
0: Mm. You know, there's a lot of talk a couple months ago. Um, finally, with the Texas government saying they're going to arrest illegals on state crimes, all these other crimes're talking about. So even if immigration is federal, there's there's trafficking, there's human smuggling. obviously this is trespassing. What happens with these people? You know, is it working? Are they being held? Are they being brought to trial? Is it deterring or, or, is, or is there just not enough manpower and they would kind of let them
1: go? Yes, our county so far has prosecuted a little over 2,000 illegal aliens for trespassing. we signed, landowners signed a, a deal with the sheriff's department. If the sheriff catches them or the and, or the uh, highway patrolmen, the troopers for Operation Life, they would catch them on property. Then they're filing them, taking them in and filing trespassing charges on them. And then there's bail set. Most of them are bonding out. Um, most of them are doing time serve, you know, plus, a, you know, let go. But right now, the, that's a Class B misdemeanor in Texas. Um, with the declaration of emergency, the state of emergency we declared several months ago here in our county, it escalated it to a Class A. There's legislature in Austin, from what I understand, right now, to make trespassing during a state of emergency like this declaration a felony. A felony. Well, if those people end up, yeah, if those people end up getting a felony filed on them. They could never file for citizenship.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's that. There's also the bail issue. I mean, generally speaking, we don't like to hold people without bail for a trespassing crime per se. But I think this is more of a tool to just use for a broader thing, which is an invasion. So, you know, if you're going to invade our country, yeah, you know, if we're going to have some of the January 6th folks held without bail, then perhaps that needs to happen. And I think that's that certainly would be a deterrent. Um, because if you're gonna prosecute them, but but you let them out without bail and they're the consummate flight risk. Um, you know, it doesn't yes. do much good. Uh, final question here you've you've obviously been there a while. I mean, your wife's been three generations there. We've had illegal immigration our entire lifetime. What do you see qualitatively as different about the last year or two? And where do you see this headed? Are you concerned that eventually, you know, t- historically, they try to avoid confrontation with Border Patrol Americans. The cartels just want their business to quietly go along. But do you see a time where there will be more confrontation directly?
1: Yes, because I, I, I think there's some folks that are coming into the country that are working for those outside the country. They're trying to build something inside to, to possibly have another 9-11 or something um those folks are the ones that are really concern um wow. i think the the you know forever thousand that come in you know if, if only five of them are really really bad the other 995 are going to do their part and, and 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 help their families back at home well those five in 10 years can turn into 100 and then those 100 turn into a thousand you know, there's 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 some of these guys that are being sent here, coming here, that I think have a have a a, a working issue for for someone else outside the country.
0: Yes, they're I mean this is coming. all this is all unknown, and that's why we have borders. Uh, a border is supposed <laughs> to ensure that all the things we don't like about other places, but we loved about America. Um. Don't commingle, and we're able to preserve what we have here. Uh, my heart certainly goes out to you and your fellow ranchers. And look, we're just Thank one you. voice, one voice here, but hopefully we could get this story out. Please keep us updated about what's going on <laughs> there and your run for county judge. I wish you luck with that as well, <laughs> um, you. folks. Thank you know, when when uh when you get a donation page up, people could find where <laughs> you up. All- where where you are, John Paul Schuster? Your wife Donna? You live there at the ranch, yes. and this is your story. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, thanks for having us, and y'all have a blessed day.
0: Take care. You know, I was just thinking; it struck me as I called him last night. You know, Mayor Don McLaughlin from Uvalde, which is a little bit east of of there. Uh, he put me in touch with uh, Mr. Schuster, some other ranchers, and when I called him last night, he was he told me he was sitting there with his lights off in his home and I was like you do that every night like, yeah that's what we do and it struck me how sad it is I mean you live in a rural area a nice ranch I don't know you want to go out in your deck and take a little walk Um, you can't do that I mean that's typically uh, endemic of an urban problem an urban environment but now our ranchers at the border, it's like you can't live there. And, and and again, this is all about empathy. This is true virtue, not virtue signaling, because it's something that's not in the news, but it ought to be. It's something that, you know, you don't gain any brownie points for caring about. It's like I t- talked to you with, uh, you know, the shots. Well, you know, I never had a problem with the shots, so, uh, you know, it doesn't exist to me. I don't care if some people got injured, or you know. Well, I I never had a problem with COVID, so it doesn't bother me that there's a war on treatment. But people do. Well, you know, I don't I don't need a kin- kidney transplant, so it doesn't bother me. And it's a similar thing here. Um, you know, a lot of these type of grievances are foreign to those that don't live there. If you don't own a ranch, if you don't have a farm, if you don't deal with the damage to uh, you know, water wells and fences and your cattle, well, what do you care? But there are people that, that do that and it's vital for the country and yet we don't care. And you know, he talked about sanctions and, and even the military in Mexico. I've been saying that for years. I don't understand how based on the most far-flung notion that something could affect us, we'll easily dive headfirst into every single conflict in the history of the universe across the globe. Sometimes Militarily, sometimes even, even, even not, but at a minimum, we're always sending billions of dollars. We're, we're taking refugees. But what about Mexico? Why should the buffer zone be 50 miles, I think it's even more than that, into our country and not south of the border? That's where the buffer zone belongs. And we need to tell the Mexican gov- government, either you clear out the cartels and smuggling, smuggling operation or, uh, or you're out. But in fact, we're allowing them to get away with this invasion. You know, speaking to uh, John's point, Todd Benzman, who's perhaps the best border reporter in, in the country, we've had him on the show a lot. He has a column at Town Hall titled "Beware: Mexico to Unleash Massive Wave of Seventy Thousand Migrants Toward U.S. Border in Unnoticeable Ain't Operation." In the far south of Mexico, the central government is about to release a sea of the U.S.-bound migrants. It has dammed up behind the bureaucratic barrier in the southernmost city of Tapachula. The coming swell has risen to more than 73,000 angry, mobbing, riding migrants from January 1st through March 8th. Mexico has been blocking migrant foreign movement under an agreement with the Biden administration. Now, this sounds very good. Oh, they're blocking them, but... Take a listen as kind of an artifice that makes mass migration numbers at the southwest border seem less than if Mexico just waved them all through. So, in other words, I tell you this all the time: if if they if we people can't see the light, I'd rather they see feel the pain. But what they always want to do is make it that the border is kind of quiet. It's not. I mean, we had one hundred sixty five thousand apprehensions every month, which is unconscionable historically. But you know, if you don't have that. If you remember, the only time the border really got to the top of the news throughout the last two years was when you had the Haitians crash all at once. So they want to avoid that, not because they don't like an invasion, but they don't like the optics. They want the slow-roll invasion, the subtlety. They love that. right? That's why they won't commit mass genocide. They'll, They do, but they won't do it in one shot. By the way, there's a lot of news... About the vials, Naomi Wolf has poured through. Uh, she has a team of lawyers pouring through the uh, FOIA documents. It's now v- abundantly clear there's an AMA document that there were about a dozen, at least a dozen, known different vials with three micrograms, ten micrograms, thirty micrograms, different dosages. So, you know, I I, I think they understood that the spike protein lipid nanoparticles are so toxic, but they couldn't couldn't kill that many people that quickly. So they kind of slow slow rolled it. Similar concept here um so basically they had an agreement with biden that mexico would use its national guard to block roads out of tapachula while requiring migrants to apply for mexican humanitarian visas necessary to proceed unchecked north to the american border the mexican slow roll processing as the migrant population grows and agitates for release from what they call an open prison city but if recent history is any indication, the Mexican government is just about to open the floodgates and let all the 70,000 people rush north without permission, papers, the quickest way to relieve their own domestic political problem. Those tens of thousands of migrants at Block for Biden are riding almost daily, demonstrating for free passage by sewing their lips shut um, and all sorts of issues going on there. The last time this brawling, violent, disrupting migrant population built an intolerable threshold, 50,000 of them in December, the government of Mexico released them all north, employing a tactic known as ant-operation. The term connotes a tactical usual, tactic usually attributed to criminal organizations that ship large volumes of drugs using small distributed parties and individuals in many single-file lines so that most avoid public notice or politically unwanted media attention. That's what happened last December. Tapachula was experiencing kind of a similar thing. Fifty thousand people dammed up. Mexico's central government ordered the special uh, QR code visas be made available to all fifty thousand. The QR code visas required migrants to board hundreds of government arranged buses that were heading to fourteen different designated Mexico cities in the north. So they strategically have it that you know some will go to Arizona, some will go to the El Paso area, some Del Rio, and some you know the RGV in the in the far southeast. ...of Texas, so that way you don't have that that famous bridge with the Haitians in Del Rio, you don't have them all in one area, I think that was Eagle Pass, you don't have the one area damming up at once. Which is why I've always said I would rather at this point the Border Patrol be um, completely abolished, because right now all they're doing is slowing it down so that it's a more orderly invasion, they, they, they come here, they get distributed in our cities anyway... But if you didn't, you would just have masses of people just like parking themselves on our territory, dammed up at our border on the ranches. Not like it's, it's bad now, but it's subtle. It's, it's you know, they see it from time to time. They see the damage. So in perpetuity, they're in danger. But it's not like you have 10,000 people lined up in the Brackettville area ranches at once. But in many ways, I think that would be better to just get this over with and bring this to a head. But I think this is a very um, I think this is a very important um, a very important notion that either we have to solve the problem or we have to take away their ability to do it subtly. But again, tying this all together, why would a government do this to a people if they didn't hate our guts? They hate us. They work day and night to see how they could commit democide but do it in a way that it will not elicit a reaction our job is to find out how do we create a reaction that's your homework email me dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. um send me your questions comments concerns for our Art ranchers we're going to have some more on in the coming weeks till tomorrow god bless y'all and thank you for listening